cliffcentral.com. This is the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. And this is the Tea Health Show, and it's Chris Avon Smith and um, Dr. Mark and Sister Elise, which is fantastic. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Cannot complain. Hello, Elise. Welcome. Hello, Dr. Mark. Hello, Chris. How are you guys you? doing? Well, um, great, actually. Um, Elise and I was just talking about uh, the amount of patients that went through our clinic yesterday. Um, and it's, it's phenomenal that... Um, we are able to identify and treat and bring um, new hope and new life to so many different patients through something as simple as hormone replacement therapy. That I mean, that is absolutely brilliant because it's working. It's so, so good. Mark, just talk quickly. Um Doodah. Doodah. Okay. All right. I think, I think we've got you. Right. Okay. So what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about testosterone and women. Absolutely. And, um, you know what? I, I was driving here this morning and I, I, and I thought to myself, why do women need testosterone? And you know what? Let's start there. Um, And I'm going to let Elise answer this question. Elise, why do women need and have testosterone? Okay, so I don't, I can start with saying women don't realize what's wrong with them um, most of the time. They are told they are menopausal when they're moody, when they're fatigued, etc., etc. And the effect of suboptimal and low testosterone is often overlooked by lots of medical professionals in females specific. So um, they re- don't realize why they have the, the symptoms that they have. And some of the symptoms are fatigue, as I, as I mentioned, um, mood, mood fluctuations, um, their hair is dull. They've got more wrinkles than men at a certain age. Um, they present with bone density problems. Uh, there's quite a few things. Um, weight gain, for instance. They've got brittle nails. And that is the most prevalent symptoms that women have at a certain age or even younger and that is really studied and sort of mentioned in in, in a few studies that was done with females. So imme- immediately when you mentioned brittle nails and hair I think thyroid. Correct. Um, when you say um, bone density I think estrogen. Um, now for those who do not know, and I think I mentioned this last week, your steroid hormones include thyroid hormone, estrogen, testosterone, some of your adrenals, which means fatigue, 
Um, and it's very interesting when I look at these in my practice, I never look at any one of them in isolation. Correct. They all are come from one place, cholesterol. Yeah. If you don't have healthy cholesterol, you don't have healthy steroid hormones. If you don't have healthy steroid hormones, you feel old. And you know what? That's, that's the easiest way to say it. You feel old with all the symptoms of weight gain, fatigue, mood swings, irritability, um, loss of mental vigor, brain fog, um, and that in, is in a nutshell where testosterone plays a huge part in women. But Mark, can I just sort of bring us back slightly here? Because I mean, that's, that's such a, a broad, a big statement that you made, not a broad statement, a big statement. Where did you, where did the idea for, for the clinic, which you've now established for women with testosterone, where, where did, where did that idea come from? How, how did that evolve out of testosterone, which is traditionally seen as a male-dominated zone, you know? It's like American politics, male-dominated. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, it's very interesting that um, six years ago, when I started, seven years ago, when I started the tea clinic, um, I started the tea clinic because of my background in obstetrics and gynecology. Right. But because I specialize in aesthetics and anti-aging medicine and have been doing so for 20 years, I decided, okay, fine, let's do something for men. And when we started seeing the guys and really making a difference in their lives and the way that they feel, um, a lot of them say to me, okay, now can you do something for my spouse, my wife, my partner, my girlfriend? Right. And... There was a study published in November of last year about the treatment, the best treatment for a condition called low uh, or hypersexual um, de- disability or de- decreased disorder. So it, what it boils down to is there was a study that was done on low libidos right. in women. Now, there's been many of these studies done and what they've done and what made this study stand out is that it was a consensus study. So a consensus study is that someone took all the information that was available and they did a cohort study right. on that, where they took the information and unbiasedly put all the information together and then interpreted the information. And what came out of the study was that in menopausal and postmenopausal women, and I want us to just come back to menopausal because that that can be a bit of a um, Minefield. Yes. So in menopausal and postmenopausal women, the best treatment for women who battle with low libido is testosterone and in particular injectable testosterone. I mean, that, that really is groundbreaking. And, 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 and in, in the, 
grander scheme of things because as i said it's such a male dominated word testosterone or women have estrogen men have testosterone little girls like pink little boys like blue you know it's always been like that and now it's changed well you know what the the interesting thing about this is is that few men know that they battle or have estrogen symptoms and side effects um in testosterone, uh, in men, the natural pathway of testosterone is testosterone that aromatizes into estrogen. And in men, we need estrogen for two very specific reasons. Cardiovascular disease. And in particular, we don't often see women have a heart attack or a stroke before the age of menopause when mm. estrogen start mm. decreasing. But we see that often in men. The same happens with osteoporosis. In women, osteoporosis usually is connected and associated with a decrease in estrogen, and that happens during menopause. So for men, cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis is why we need estrogen right, in our bodies right. and we make it from testosterone. In women, it's a little bit different. So um, when I looked at these, these studies and I listened to the, to the guys coming in and say, yeah, you know what, now that my libido is fixed and now that I have energy again, can you do something for my wife? And when this study was published, I said, Eureka, you know what? I have something. I have something that would make a big difference mm. in the lives of couples, uh, of single women of a certain age. And we started it last year. And in the last six months after COVID <laughs> that we got released um, from our self-induced prisons, um, we we have seen an explosion of of women coming through um, the doors of our clinic, and especially in couples, the man and the husband, the man and the woman coming together at the same time for their first consultation, and that is tremendous, and it's it's gratifying. I mean, that's that's huge. Lise, what have you seen in, uh, how's, how's your practice grown? Be because you, you run f to the large, to a large extent that side of the side of the practice. Obviously, Mark is the, um, medical doctor that, that runs it, but, but, but you dealing day in and day out with a, a lot of the women. I, I, Elise, sorry that I interject. Just please give us your background in, in, um, healthcare, um, so that we understand a little bit more, uh, why you are so involved in, in the T clinic and the T clinic for women and the renew her. Okay. So, um, obviously my, my background is that I'm a, a registered nurse and directly after my studies, I went into the operating room environment where I mostly worked with urologists and gynecologists. And that is for about 32 years. That's what I've done. And after that, um, I went into the medical device field, which is also known um, or was part of gynecology and urology. And that is 
where my interest has been for many, many years. So um, I've got a special place in my heart for sexual health as well as functional health in males and females. That is my background. And then obviously the opportunity came along to work with you. And this is where I really live out my passion for this type of of um, conditions, can I say that? Okay. So to come back to Chris's question, um, what do you see in our women? Okay. I would... I would like to go two steps back. Traditionally, women think testosterone is a male. We spoke about it. It's a male hormone, and it's not applicable to females. And um, what women think is testosterone makes you big and buff and gives you muscles and um, make you aggressive mm-hmm. and your hair will fall out and your voice you will, will deepen or you will grow a beard your voice will yeah. deepen all of those things are associated with testosterone um, therapy but what is very important to know is that women produces 20 times less testosterone um, than men naturally and Testosterone comes from your ovaries as well as your adrenal glands in females. So immediately when I hear that and think about that is when we talk about perimenopausal women, what goes first? You don't produce follicles to um, excrete your ovums. So your ovaries is not working as it should, meaning... Obviously, there's already a deficiency in testosterone. So that is the one part. If your adrenal glands are overworked when you're stressed, um, all of those things, testosterone levels go down as well. So um, what we do in the in the clinic is, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I want to state this properly, is when we see women, there is an hour consultation, which is very important to note. And that in that hour consultation, we do and you do a proper history and look at symptoms. What does this woman presents with? And I think that is very important. And then also the blood tests that we do, looking Mm, at all the hormones and how it interlinked with each other, where it's different for any other clinician, maybe. Maybe there's more out there that we don't know about. It's not a rush in and rush out, listen, smile, nod, 10 minutes consultation and out the door. Let's try and see if we can help you with Maybe this therapy or that therapy What is interesting for me as well Is the difference with the, between males and females With testosterone therapy And this is very important And I've observed this myself Males take a little bit longer Meaning time-wise To respond to testosterone therapy Oh, right, okay Yeah Females it's immediate. It's like within 24 hours they'll tell you, wow, what did you do to me? And remember, it's like minimum amounts of what males get. I so mean, like <clears throat> to explain the minimum amount, 
On average, the women get on their first treatment in our clinic um, 15 times less testosterone than I would treat my males with. And I mean, I, I'm on testosterone and I get what? It's, it's, a, it's a mill? It's, you get about 100 milligrams. Oh, sorry, 100 milligrams. Mm, yeah. So, so they're getting 15 milligrams. Or. But sometimes, not even. Yeah. It, de- it depends on, on what we see on their and blood test. And also less frequent than males. That's ex- I mean that's that's incredible. So it really is just. I mean we talk about this often on on the show, and and we will talk about it, is keeping that balance. So so it's just to bring the testosterone that is needed by by women in, back into balance. So this is the interesting thing about women. Women have incredibly complex cycles. Yeah, where estrogen and progesterone are the two main hormones. Testosterone is involved, but on the sideline. The beautiful thing about testosterone in women is that it does not interfere with their monthly cycle. Okay. Okay. And that is tremendously helpful because in women you have a constant fluctuation and change in hormones and if the balance in any of those two mm. either progesterone or estrogen is slightly upset you start dealing with either breakthrough bleeding or um, you know a delayed ovulation which throws the whole cycle out now testosterone seems to be immune and stand alone there although it plays a crucial role in women's Aging through um, the normal progression through ovarian uh, chronological aging, if I can call it Correct. like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that brings us to the symptoms of or the benefits of what testosterone has on female health. And and I think Dr. Mark can help me with this one. Is um, the the most common <coughs> symptom of what women present with is exactly the same as men. Brain fog. Right. For them, it is a dual blow when it comes to, to mental acuity. We need estrogen as part of the Systems that makes our brain function normally. Please explain brain fog as well. You know what? It's that sense where you you just not able to recall small little details of. Uh, I saw my glasses somewhere. Where mm. where was that? Mm. Um, and they're generally on the top of your head. <laughs> it's um, I I. I uh, I'm looking for a number uh, in my head, and it's something that I know. Um, Walking into a room and not remembering why you went into that room. Because so I mean, it's short-term memory. Brain yeah. fog points to short-term. It's that first thing in the morning you wake up and someone asks you a question and it's, huh? Mm. Uh, 
that that's the brain fog mm. that we're talking mm. about. Now, the testosterone plays an in, incredibly important role in the functioning of your brain, as well as the immune system of the brain. Um, and Chris, w- uh, we had uh, on one of our other stations, we had a phenomenal talk with uh, Dr. Jody Price, and I think last week we referred to Jody as well. Yes, yeah. Um, where we spoke about uh, testosterone and neuroinflammation and the lack of testosterone. Um, and you know, but in women of a certain age, and I, I wanted us to go back to perimenopausal and, and we'll stand still there for a couple of seconds. When we get to perimenopausal age, you have a decrease in both estrogen and testosterone. So for a woman from a mental um, faculty department, um, that's where they start noticing first. Libido starts going. Now, I always stop at libido with my patients and say to them, what do you understand about libido? And they say sexual drive. It's not. Mm. Libido is in medical terms Sexual thoughts and fantasies Now the moment that you hear sexual thoughts You have to think about Higher function It's a function of the brain It's an imaginary thing That you are doing So it's not the sexual drive Sexual drive is something on its own Exactly that How often do you feel the need Or the want to have sex That's not libido Right Um so for them, it's a decrease in libido, a decrease in sexual drive and appetite. Um, they have the fatigue, the irritability, the mood swings. Which is often seen as depression. Yes, absolutely. Um, is it, sorry, can I jump? Is it seen as depression or, or, or is it not just, oh, she, yeah, and I, I mean, is it not just, oh, she's going through menopause or she's menopausal? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't think menopause is, is recognizable by the layperson, actually. I know, but there's, a, but there's a commonality that people t- put these labels onto people. On people, but With- also, oh, she's depressed again, so mm. let's... With menopause, what happens um, is that there is decrease in estrogen as well as in testosterone, and the lability in mood from I'm happy and then I become weepy. Right. Um, very quickly. So the I think swings, the lability is that, swings. That, okay. that weepiness, that, that I'm happy, but you know what? I cry very easily. Mm. That can sometimes be misconstrued as depression. So a toilet paper ad with a puppy, um, can set you off more, more easily than it would generally. That sort of, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So, um, the other symptoms of menopause would be a little bit of weight gain. Now, it's interesting here that um, both testosterone and estrogen that lowers can lead to a little bit of weight gain, but in different areas. With testosterone that decreases, it's usually abdominal weight gain. With estrogen that decreases, you become that typically pear-shaped body, but it's raw around the hips. 
that what we would have called the matronly figure in yes. in, in old days. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, I think it's important to to explain why that weight gain happens. It's all about testosterone, muscle mass, insulin, and glucose balancing. Am I right? Absolutely. Be such a fine. The body is so brilliant <clears throat> in managing homeostasis. And homeostasis means um, the constant environment, keeping the internal environment of cells constant. Right. The body is phenomenal in doing that up to a certain degree and then the changes that are happening um, overwhelms it and you know it's been homeostasis is thrown out the window and that's when we start seeing changes um, to come back to testosterone and estrogen um, the replacement of both these hormones are quite tricky Right. Um, I want to go back to perimenopausal, and I'm going to ask Elise to explain to us what is the difference between perimenopause and menopause. Okay, so perimenopause means that a woman is reaching a certain age where there is not any. Um, um, Ovum production anymore in Meaning that the ovaries Has reached their chronological age We are born with Two million ovums um, In our ovaries and if that was um, Excreted as whatever You want to, to call it at a certain Age it becomes um, Lower um, Less How do I say that less ovulation mm. Happens Um and then so the, your the, cycle becomes irregular Your cycle mm -hmm. becomes irregular But before your cycle becomes irregular You do present with certain symptoms And I can talk out of experience with this And you don't realize it yourself Suddenly you've got hot flashes And you sweat for no reason at all In the middle of winter Or the other symptom can be Two o'clock at night I'm awake I can't sleep again I've got... Nothing to do, but I'm awake. I'll go and sweep the floor in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> Come to my house, please. Yeah, please. I've got drawers that need fixing. <laughs> it's um, honest. This is an honest experience of mm. myself. And then also um, during perimenopause, people are telling you what's wrong. You've changed. Why? And then you realize, oh. Okay, maybe I'm frowning or maybe I'm not as friendly as I was always mm. was. You know, that type of l little nuances that you as a person are not aware of. And when you go and see a doctor and say, listen, this is what I have, they test your blood and nothing is wrong with your hormone levels in your blood. But that is how perimenopause we talk about perimenopausal state So it's premenopause And then you've got your menopause And then your postmenopause That is usually where all the symptoms right. Disappears when it's postmenopause And that is women From age 65 and up More or less You, you will most probably But that's also genetically um, Driven um, Women Tend to go into menopause 
at the same age that their mothers went into menopause. But um, so I, I want to interject there, go into menopause, and we have to understand this. This is a period that can be anything from three, four years to ten years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and perimenopause is a couple of years before that. And I mean, I, I mean, so it's a very long process. It's a long process. This is a 15-year process on average. Yeah. And, and, and that's a very long time to... to be in flux. Yeah, because because that's what it, it it must feel like like that. I mean, as as men, we spoke about it last week. We spoke about andropause, you know, and and we certainly have hormone fluctuations and all of that sort of thing. But I mean, for that to be to be ongoing and for for so long, and and not really knowing what it is or, or being able to define it must be a very difficult time. I. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit facetious here, and I'm going to say... Not you, Mark. <laughs> women, women have it a little bit easier than men, because it's been... I, I, I told you, just look at the you look. Have, you just see sisters' eyes. <laughs> um, women have it a little bit easier than men, because it is recognized yes. more so that women go through the change of life. As my grandmother used to explain mm. it. And it was a well described fact. With men, we only realized recently um, that men go through andropause as well. Men went through what was called the midlife crisis in yeah. their early 50s. Or otherwise known as menopause, yeah. because they run out and buy the Porsche. <laughs> so, you know what? But for men, and I am seeing this in my practice uh, more so now, um, men's testosterone levels start decreasing from about the uh, age 28. Now, we already have lower testosterone levels than our fathers and our grandfathers. Mm. Mm. So by the time that we get to 35, 40, we are andropausal. Right. And women reach this age a little bit later. When they go menopausal And menopausal women is usually Elise help me Postmenopause is usually about 60 Postmenopause 65, 60, 65 Yes, women can start If I look at At my reference point It's about from 48 Up They Mm. start with the menopause And is that that for menopause or perimenopause? Perimenopause would start probably here from about 40. Yeah, because f- f- to my mind, this dis- what this 45. discussion has, has brought, brought up for me is the fact that, that you go into perimenopause and y- things are just not what they used to be. And, and I, th- I think we, we justify things as human it's beings. It's exactly that. It's they just not as good as they used to be. And that's yeah. what women and men Present with yes. I'm just not who I used to be And who I want to be And yes. we justify it as Oh we're getting older And we're doing this But uh, I'm also hearing We don't need to be there mm. we, no, we can do something about not. it Definitely not um, I just want to throw something in here There's another condition Primary ovarian failure And um, 
I mean, those women don't produce estrogen, etc., like they they should. So they don't. The ovaries don't work as it should anymore. So they can go in as early as early twenties into that condition. Mm. So there's hormone replacement therapy, very very important as well. Sorry to get back to. I forgot what was your question, Chris. No, no. I I, I was I was just saying that. it's it's really important to start acknowledging that that things are just not what they used to be. We're starting to go into this. We don't quite know. It's it's not that clearly defined in common parlance. You know, like yeah. going through the change. Oh, well, you notice you're going through the change when probably your periods stop and all of that. You know, all of those sort of things, and you're irritable and your hair's bristle and all of those factors. But but the, it's the peri. Menopausal side of things that that is fascinating me here mm-hmm. today, seriously fascinating, and and, and I think that, that being able to describe it to say that to people, hopefully people listening will say, oh, hang on a moment, let me think about this. Where am I in my stage of of development? So it's interesting that because suddenly when you say that, I I, I start thinking. Like Elise said, in your perimenopausal state, your female hormones, progesterone, estrogen, luteinizing hormone, and follicle-stimulating uh, hormone are usually still normal. Right. The uh, treatment that alleviates these symptoms is testosterone. And we very seldom go and look at testosterone. The testosterone is the one that works on the clarity of mind, the energy levels, the libido, um, without interfering with estrogen and progesterone, which would upset your cycle. So perimenopause is a beautiful work. Time to start treating mm. with mm. low doses of testosterone. Um, when we when we think about hormone replacement therapy, it's an absolute minefield. Um, there are so much um, that's been done, so much, so many studies. That's been done, and Elise, my my thoughts immediately go to the million study. Yes. Um, and I've spoken about this study on various programs over the years. The Million study was a study done, um, it was probably, it is probably one of the biggest studies ever conducted, um, where they started with a million women and they looked at the benefits and the risks of hormone replacement therapy. Now, I'm going back 20 years. It was when I was still practicing obstetrics and gynecology. I think it was 20 years ago when the study was published for the yeah, first I'm time. Not sure. Um, and if I remember correctly, and you know what, if there's any of our ops and gyne people that are listening mm. and they can update us on this, the findings of the, uh, the million study was that Yes, hormone replacement therapy can increase the risk of cancer, both um, 
cervical and uterine cancer as well as breast cancer. Yeah, it's hormone-sensitive cancers. But the further outcome, and for me this was the most important thing, was that when they then went and looked at women that did develop cancer, firstly, the cancer was identified much earlier. It's that same thing is if I go and look for a needle in a haystack, I will find it mm. eventually. So much the diagnosis of cancer was faster. The outcome of the cancer, which usually is dependent on the differentiation of the cancer. So the more differentiated a tumor is, the better it's described. So an undifferentiated cancer is we can't actually tell what type of cell this is. Right. It's just some random growth. And the more differentiated it is, the more we can identify the specific type of cell. The more better differentiated it is, the better the outcome. Right. So firstly, we find the cancer sooner. We found that the cancer was better differentiated, which immediately gives us a better diagnosis and a prognosis. And that the cancers re um, responded much better to treatment. So is this an advocacy for women to start on hormone replacement therapy if there's a, maybe a history of breast or ovarian or uterine cancer in their families? No, but it's definitely something to talk to your gynae about. You know what? What are the benefits of hormone replacement yeah. therapy for me in my life, in my career, in my longevity versus not going on to this? If I'm a responsible um, individual and I have my mammograms, I have my pap smears, uh, today we have something like genetic testing. Um, if I have my genetic test, is it worthwhile for me to even consider um, hormone replacement therapy? Because there's so many of our women that said, uh, you know, but I'm never going on to it. And for 20 years, they battle through, and I, I, at least you went through menopause. Yep. They battle through menopause. It's not an easy thing to go through. You know, in the middle of um, an important meeting, suddenly turning beet red and starting and to sweat mm. um, is... Is horrible. Yes, we can do something about hot flushes. We can give you a tablet and it diminishes it, but it doesn't take that other symptoms away. I can just add to this. Um, forever in a day, I've been wondering why men don't age as quickly as women. They don't have wrinkles as, as early as women. Um, they're more energetic. Longer in their life as they age um, And then it was like Okay, it can only be testosterone So why not have the benefit Of testosterone replacement Any time of your life Doesn't matter when It's not something that can do you harm Except if it's in high doses And if it's in an illegal composition But otherwise why not having testosterone replacement therapy? 
So for me, I I would I would just narrow that band a little bit. Um, if you are going into a, an age forty plus, mm. and things are becoming a little bit. I almost said hairy. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's so, clear that. Not hairy. Um, and things are becoming a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, but if you are one of these people that are finding, I'm just not performing as well as I did. Like in men, there are some solutions. And testosterone... Um, Replacement can be a possibility if done responsibly by um, someone who has an intimate understanding of not only the treatment, right, but the needed or wanted treatment outcomes. Elise mentioned something uh, earlier, and that's that uh, when I do a consultation with any of my patients, Chris, you've been through it, Elise, mm-hmm. you've seen many of them, it's an hour-long consultation. And immediately I want to go back, and I do this quite often, and I want to go and defend my my fellow medical practitioners out there that are in general practice that has a waiting room with 20 people sitting there um, and you know what? It's incredibly difficult doing a consultation with a, a long medical history and understanding when you feel pressurized because there are sick people um, sitting outside, people with pneumonia and uh, with a gastroenteritis or a sick baby. It's very difficult to do that. Um, mm. It's also very difficult to do if you have to see 20 patients per day just to pay your bills at the end of the day. Then it's very difficult to spend an hour with just one patient. You know, but in a typically consulting day, we have about eight hours. So I can see eight patients. Um, I have to see 20. Uh, you know, general practitioners are exactly that. They have to specialize in a little bit of general medicine of everything. That's yes. pediatrics to neurology. They, and they've sort is, of got an overview. They've got the umbrella. That is very, very difficult and I take my hat off to all our general practitioners. Mm. I'm one of them and I decided that this is way too broad for me. Let me go and specialize into something specific. Um, our specialists that are out there um you know what, again, these are people that have great demands on their time. They have theater lists, they have hospital patients, they have private practices. It's difficult to spend that time. You have to go and find that person, that um, that practitioner that has made it his calling to deal with what you are Mm. Are presenting with And that's not easy we Look, have Mark we do it with our cars If we're driving a Toyota We go to a Toyota garage <laughs> 
you know. Yes, but you know what, Chris? The, uh, it's interesting. One of the things that COVID actually showed us as medical practitioners is that, you know, but there is something like distance consulting. There yes. is teleconsulting. And I have been doing it for a very long time where I have patients all over the world that, that I consult with. Mm. Um, doctors are meant to lay hands on patients. Sometimes we don't have to do that. Sometimes we're lucky enough that we can work with a general practitioner in Reykjavik to look at the patient's physical condition of what's the blood pressure, etc., etc. Yes. And I can focus on the stuff that I have to interpret results with the clinical picture that's presented to me. And therefore, I don't have to have a patient right next to me and be able to feel. And also and with touch Zoom them. and all of those sort of things, you, you, you can, you can actually, you can see, you can talk, you can do all of that sort of thing, which is quite, you know, it's not the same, but it it's does not, and, and it's not the same. And I, I want to just stop that for a second. Um, we had a professor that said to us, if you haven't laid hands on a patient, you haven't examined them. Right. And Elise, when you guys were studying many years ago, it was exactly the same. Exactly. If you haven't laid your hands on a patient, you haven't examined them. Mm-hmm. And it is still true because we see with our hands. We just don't, not no, only course. see with our eyes, but of we course. see with our hands. Um, but there is the possibility of doing this. We, we can consult patients. Um, and I often do distance consulting. Right. We, we make a tangible, big difference in people's lives by being able to identify small things which our general practitioners haven't missed they just haven't gotten there because of time constraints absolutely guys we've got five minutes left and 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 please i want you to say tell me just sum up your portion of the of the clinic and who's going to come to you who's the ideal candidate to come to you and what and and what would they be experiencing before they come to you um, it's it's really difficult for me to classify who can come to us but sure. usually what we see is like dr mark said is the the males that stally saying their partners need a little bit of help or just coming with for interest and then they see what we do in this clinic of ours a woman that ha- presents with sp- unspecified symptoms or unclassified symptoms that they think, oh, I'm on antidepressants, I'm getting taking my hormone replacement, but nothing yes. is working. I still feel the same. Just give it a try. Go and sit down and think about your system, uh, your symptoms. Research it. And right. if you think... That there's maybe something wrong It's worth it Come see us We can have a nice discussion And Dr. Mark is very good At isolating What is the real problem Okay So in in the That's better So in the clinic One of the things that that we do Is we focus on all Forms of sexual health So um, for women that need a pap smear done, 
Right. If you are in your 40s and 50s, if you've had a hysterectomy, um, you know what, you still need your pap smear done once a year. So that's where we start. We start with all our patients. All our female patients start with a pap smear with Elise. And then we move on, and then we can go and look at hormones. Um, Am I a replacement for your gynecologist? No, but we work very closely with gynies. And we have a whole host of gynies that we refer to to deal with your gynecological problems because that's not our speciality. We deal more on the hormone balancing side of things. So any woman that presents with fatigue, um, loss of libido, Concentration, uh, depression, anxiety, those are the places where you start. That's where testosterone and testosterone replacement in the correct form and dose can make small differences that has a big outcome in your life. I mean, it's, it's absolutely huge. Guys, okay, let's, let's start wrap, wrapping it up a bit. Mark, we always say on this program, your first port of call is your GP. Absolutely. And, and I, th- I, th- I think that's really important. If you're experiencing any of the symptoms that, that, that we've been talking about today, chat to your GP about it. Have an open discussion. What we have realized is that especially women tend not to be as forthcoming with symptoms as men have an open honest discussion with your healthcare provider right and then i mean if you've got any queries and questions and i'm sure people are going to have queries and questions uh, after the after the show you can always whatsapp us and we, and we will get back to, back to you and that number is 064 and I've just lost it 064-212-8701 064-212-8701 or you can get hold of the clinic itself on 010-824-1393 but I, but I think it's really impo- important and you can go onto our website guys what's the website the easiest is just go to www.theclinic.com www.theclinic.com and there's hyphens between the T and clinic yeah but the moment that you go the T clinic it does pop there's up. only one that comes up yeah and i mean that's that's fantastic Elise, thank you so much. It's been amazing again. I lo- I love chat- chatting to you. It's 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 a huge it's a huge um uh, it's a huge field and and I I think it's 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 quite scary a lot of, a lot of the time. It is. It is, but we learn as we go. Absolutely. So, yes. And Mark, we will see you next week. Yes, and next week we are going to tackle Erectile dysfunction. Oh, yeah. And my, well, all the different types of treatment for erectile dysfunction. And you know what? There's more than one. In my clinic, there's six. Six different types of treatments for erectile dysfunction. So we don't just all have to rely on that funny little blue pill. Um, that is option number six. Fantastic. <laughs> have a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, we will, we will see you both soon again so thank you very much have a good one thank you chris
The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Cliffcentral.com